the Italian Wine Podcast is the community-driven platform for Italian wine geeks around the world. Support the show by donating at italianwinepodcast.com. Donate five or more euros and we'll send you a copy of our latest book, My Italian Grape Geek Journal, absolutely free. To get your free copy of My Italian Grape Geek Journal, click support us at italianwinepodcast.com or wherever you get your pods. Grazie mille. Welcome to Masterclass U.S. Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. This show has been designed to demystify the U.S. market for Italian wineries through interviews with experts in sales and distribution, social media, communications, and so much more. We will quiz each of our esteemed guests at the end of each episode to solidify the lessons that we've learned. So sharpen your pencils, get out your notebooks, and join us each week to learn more about the U.S. market. Hello, welcome to Masterclass U.S. Wine Market. Today, I'm thrilled to welcome Enere Ceola to the Italian Wine Podcast. Enere is the CEO of Freshene Mionetto USA. The organization started with the launch of Mionetto in the U.S. 25 years ago, and the winery was founded in 1887 by Francesco Mionetto. The Mionetto Winery is one of the oldest producers of Prosecco. However, it's Enere who is largely credited with popularizing not only Mionetto, but also Prosecco, the entire category in the United States. Welcome to the show, Enri. It's so great to have you here. <laughs> Thank you, Juliana. It's a pleasure to be with you. Of course, of course. We're excited to talk all things Prosecco and non-alcoholic Prosecco today as well. It's going to be a great discussion. Yeah, <laughs> that's a very exciting topic for sure. For sure. But before we dive into that topic, Enri, tell us a little bit more about how you came into the position you hold today. Well, you know, 28 years ago, I, I decided to marry a beautiful American woman. And then I didn't want to come in the United States as and working in the restaurant business or anything like that because I didn't know so much about it. I was more in the management back in Italy and I was looking for a similar position. And um, voila, Mioneto was looking for a country manager. And very luckily, they trusted me and they hired me. Amazing. And, you know, 28 years later, this is where, where I am, still here. <laughs> wow. Okay, so you started with Mioneto when you moved to the U.S. Correct. Yes. Okay, got it. And where in the U.S. did you move to? I moved in New York City. Okay. And that's where we had our office for the first 12 years. And then uh, we moved the office in White Plains. Got it. Okay. So always based in the East Coast. Yes. And how did the, your position with Mioneto evolve? Talk to us just a little bit about how you started as uh, the country manager, but just how your role has changed with the company. So when I started, it was just one man operation. And um, I remember going with a bag in uh, First Avenue, Second Avenue, Third Avenue, and you name it, and stop every wine store and do tastings on the weekends to get the people to taste Prosecco because nobody knew Prosecco. Right. As we grew the business, I was able to hire people to help me. And then from New York, we expanded to Connecticut. And then from Connecticut, we expanded to New Jersey and then to Boston, Massachusetts. And then from Boston to Illinois. And for the first five years, our focus was the Northeast and the Midwest, specifically Illinois. And then after that, you know, as we got stronger in those markets that we grew and we started to expand Florida and California, Texas, and now we are in 52 states. Right. Wow. Okay. So really started concentrated on the East Coast and then, you know, expanding out to the Midwest, Chicago, California, and like you said, now today in all 50 states. Amazing. Yes. So, Henry, today, you know, on the heels of dry January, we're, you know, now into mid-February, we're going to talk a little bit about the boom of the no-low, no and low alcohol space in adult beverages and the opportunity 
out there for Italian wine brands to take advantage of this category. There's been so much growth in this space. And we want to talk to you specifically about the launch of the Mio Neto alcohol removed sparkling wine. So for today's masterclass, our three key takeaways and, and what we're very excited to learn from you are number one, how does a traditional wine company, you know, Mio Neto started in 1887, enter the NOLO space? Number two, what are the opportunities in the NOLO category in the U.S. market specifically? And then uh, finally, number three, what are some of the key differences when it comes to marketing alcoholic and non-alcoholic beverages here in the U.S. market? Mm-hmm. So let's dive in. And for starters, you gave us some great background on Mionetto, but talk to us a little bit more about how, from a marketing perspective, you managed to really build the Prosecco category into what it is today. You know... By working on the street, you learn a lot from consumer. You really learn what the consumer is looking for and what are the keywords for making the consumer excited about a product. And so from early on, we really understood there was a potential on Prosecco because the taste profile was right where the consumer wanted. They just didn't know Prosecco existed. So working on the street was amazing learning and opportunity for us to tailor our marketing and from day one, we positioned Mioneto Prosecco, no occasion required. And that was our tagline because everyone back then, they associated anything with bubbles to champagne and a specific important occasion, right? Whatever was a, a birthday or a New Year's Eve or anything like that. And we said, actually, you know, not all the sparkling wine or wine with bubble is champagne. And actually, we said we are not champagne and we are not for special occasion. We are for any occasion. You know, it took a lot of time because 25 years ago, there was no social media. And so to get the word of mouth out, you have to go and touch and talk to as many as people as you could. And we didn't have the budget to, of course, to advertise it. So, and that's why it took, I would say, 10 years to get off the gate and build what Prosecco is today. Yeah. So a lot of word of mouth on the ground, really talking to the consumer, education, it sounds like, and teaching them about consuming sparkling wine for everyday occasions. You know, I think that's valuable to just remember that sometimes those more traditional marketing tactics are really important, you know, going back to the basics. Yeah, yeah, very grassroots. Yeah, very grassroots. Exactly. And, you know, you talk about Prosecco being a beverage and marketing it as, you know, an anytime drink and not for special occasions. Now, obviously, consumers are very health conscious in this day and age of their alcohol intake, their sugar intake, and lots of things. So a lot of people have been cutting back on their alcohol intake. So maybe drinking bubbles anytime is they're taking a look at their consumption. So talk to us a little bit about the decision for Mioneto to launch the Mioneto Alcohol Removed Sparkling Wine. Tell us a little bit about the inception of the project and the launch. So again, you know, being very close to the market, especially the consumer, we do every weekend, we do tastings. We have a large sales force in the United States compared to other importers of our size. And by doing testing and doing a lot of consumer events, you really start to understand that the consumer is looking for something that doesn't have alcohol or has low alcohol. They love Prosecco, they love sparkling wine, but in some occasion, they don't want to have something with alcohol, whatever is for a specific reason connected to the health or just because they want to reduce the alcohol intake or they just, you know, it's just a moment of consumption is a little bit different than it is when they drink, no regular sparkling wine with alcohol. So we saw that opportunity firsthand with tasting, but then you can see trends of zero alcohol 
across many categories. Right. I would say the first one probably was the beer, if you start a few years ago. And with that in mind, we start to talk about it. And uh, because we are part of a company that has a lot of experience in zero sparkling wine, our group has been producing zero alcohol sparkling wine for the last 20 years. You know, products in Europe are much more developed than in the United States. Interesting. Okay. Yeah. Then we started to say, okay, if we have to produce a zero alcohol sparkling wine, and we are known as a Prosecco. We cannot call it Prosecco. We will not call it Prosecco, but we want to make sure they taste as close as to our Prosecco Brut, that is our best-selling. And so, you know, we started with the same grape, which is Glera, and it took us, I would say, six to eight months to perfect it because it's not an easy process. And the other goal was to have as minimal as possible sugar content or equally to our current Prosecco Brut. Italian Wine Podcast, part of the Mama Jumbo Shrimp family. And so by trial and error, uh, we were able to, to recreate a very similar profile with the same sugar content of the Prosecco Brut, which is a breakthrough in our business because there's very little, if not nobody, Oh, wow. In the sparkling wine, zero alc, there's less than 13 grams per liter of sugar on a zero alc sparkling wine. So not only you get the benefit of being a zero alc, but you have the benefit of having very low sugar, which in turn means very low calories. Exactly. Okay. So when you drink it, not only you have a great pleasure of, because you know it doesn't have alcohol, but it tastes really good. I mean, I was amazing when I tasted after we start to work on the project and I have to compliment our team in Italy and Germany to help us to really formulate this taste profile. It was amazing. Yeah, that's really interesting. And like you said, I mean, when a consumer is making a choice for something, no alcohol, often it is for a health reason. So you'd imagine you know, low sugar, no alcohol go hand in hand with what the consumer is looking for. So sounds like a big accomplishment to be able to get the sugar levels that low. Yeah. So when did the product officially launch here in the U.S.? How long ago? We started with a test market a year and a half ago in the Northeast, where it's we have the best collaboration from our distributor. So we start to develop the distribution and do testing and see the reaction of the consumer and the acceptance of consumers, which went really well. And then finally, last year in um, October, we decided to go national. And so we are now getting distribution nationally, slowly but surely. But, you know, I think by the end of this year, we'll be in a good place. Yeah, that's really exciting. And it sounds like you had the benefit of working in this space for 20 years, like you said, and especially in the European market. How did you see the reception you know, in the U.S. market, similarities or differences to how the reception was to the product in the European market? It's too early to tell because um, we have a 20-year gap, or at least I would say 20. Yeah, maybe maybe 15. So it's very difficult to say because the generation... See, in Europe, it was developed because people want to drink and and drive. <laughs> right. <laughs> so, so there was a different necessity 20 years ago than is today. And so I remember even the advertising, you know, was finally you can drink and drive, right? Uh, back from the beer company and so on and so forth. Where in the United States, the consumer point of view is not about that. And so it's very difficult to look at similarities 
back in 20 years ago, but I will say probably today because when you look at the consumer across Europe today, they are drinking wine or spirit with low or no alk for the same reason American consumers are drinking it, which is, you know, different occasion. They don't want to drink for health reason or for dietary reason. So it's very interesting how the consumer in Europe and the consumer in the States is looking at this product the same way in this day. Okay. Yeah. So very similar, but like you said, a little too early to say, you know, how the markets react, just given the longevity of the experience in Europe. So we'll have to do part two. Yeah. But I don't think it's a fade. I don't think it's a fade. Mm. I think it's going to stay. Yeah. Yes. That's important, I think, to, to talk to hear because I think we do see and hear some people in the industry saying, oh, it's a fad. It's, you know, that's going to go away. But if you look at it this year, Nielsen said that consumers, 44% said they were going to be doing dry January and 29% said they were doing dry January in 2023. So we've already seen just year over year, you know, 15% increase in that statistic alone. So it's clearly it's it's growing and it's it seems to be staying. So like you said, it's not a fad. So let's talk a little bit about how a winery and wine company like Mionetto and that now there's so many others that have entered this category as well. How do you enter the no alcohol category logistically? Like, you know, when you're thinking about talking about distribution and sales tactics, do you follow the same type of strategy you did with Mianetto Prosecco? Or are you looking at different partners? Just talk to us kind of logistically how you're rolling out a non-alcoholic product as opposed to an alcoholic product. That's a great question. For us, and this is our decision, is that we want to use the same route to market that we use for alcoholic drinks. Because our goal is not to target underage drinker, is to target drinker at legal or above drinking age. And because of that, the best way to do is really using the three-tier system. So we follow that rule and we think it's easiest for us to follow that rule, not just in a matter of logistic and operation, even the way we market the product. That's how we would like to stay focused and be cautious that even though it does have zero alcohol, this product was developed for legal drinking age people. Right. Got it. Okay. So you're marketing it to the same consumers. Same consumer, but different occasion. Yeah. Different occasion. Correct. Yeah. That was going to be one of my next questions is like, you know, you're marketing two different products under the same label, but to the same consumer. How do you think about, you know, competition against yourself in a way? Like, I mean, you mentioned different occasions, but how do you think about that concept of kind of marketing maybe two opposing categories? to the same consumer? I think maybe at the beginning there could be some cannibalization, but maybe not because at the end of the day, you know, I'll just give you a perfect example. Last night we had the Super Bowl, right? Mm-hmm. And I had friends over and I had zero alcohol beer and regular beer and a zero alcohol mioneto and regular Prosecco. Okay. And uh, you go back and forth. It's <laughs> it's kind of interesting to see how, how people go back and forth. One minute they drink one and the other minute they drink the other. Huh. So, and then I have a younger friends and then i have my in-laws and you know the in-laws prefer zero alk you know they, they have two glasses of zero alk and a glass of of uh, mionato and the younger they get one glass of zero alk and two glasses of mionato so i don't think it's cannibalization i think it's actually an increasing consumption overall uh, it's just a matter of getting a handle of it because as long as it, the product tastes well you can drink zero alk a little bit more frequent than the regular alk uh, alcoholic beverage so Different occasion. Of course, yeah. Yeah, at this point, I don't see a big issue for what it concerns us. 
I do see definitely some issue because the month of January was very slow when you look at Nielsen in terms of uh, selling out consumer pool for uh, regular wines. So industry-wise, I see some issue, challenges. When it's specific to sparkling wine, maybe not as much as the regular still wines. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, that's the category, and I think largely driven by Prosecco, right? Because if we look at the price points that are performing well, it is in that, you know, that 10 to $20 category has driven, the, been the bright spot, as we like to say, uh, in the U.S. for the wine industry in terms of the category that's still growing and bringing in new consumers and doing well. So, yeah, I mean, I think the way you described it, NRA, is that the non-alc and, and the Prosecco are complementary. And, you know, in terms of the marketing and the positioning to the consumer, you know, it's different occasions. And like you said, even on for your Super Bowl party, you can serve them at the same time too, and just giving people different options to go back and forth. Especially this year's game, it was so long with overtime, right? Yeah, so absolutely. drinking for absolutely. A, a long time. <laughs> yeah, and you know, uh, do you drink a flavor sparkling water, or would you prefer to have a zero like sparkling wine? Well, I think you know the answer, right? right. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Exactly. So what about the, you know, the future for the Neonetto alcohol removed sparkling wine, the product itself? Do you see doing any line extensions or different types of products or sticking just to the one product? No, for now, we're going to stick with what we have. I think that we have a long way to go with that. I think the category is still new and we need to stay focused on a few things and do it right. Right. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Absolutely. But like you said, Henry, you don't see the non-alcoholic space as a fad and, and only expecting it, you know, to, to stay around. What do you think about the future of that, of the category of non-alcoholic beverages and wine specifically more generally? I think it will grow. So we, we when I say we, Fresen and Neonato, but I think the old wine producer, we cannot discount this trend and we need to be aware of it and do our part to be part of it. It's a way to recruit new consumer anyway, so why not? Totally, because if you get them used to the the palate and the taste of the non-alcoholic product, especially if you're able to make it as similar as possible to the alcohol, the version with alcohol, you'd imagine, right, that they might go back and forth between the two. So it's also getting the consumer introduced to the, the category. So absolutely, that makes all the sense in the world to me. And I think it's very forward-thinking of you and the entire company, you know, to be investing in this space in the U.S. Because like you said, it's it's here to stay and, and all signs point in that direction for sure. I think so. I think so. Yep. Well, Andre, thank you for being with us here today. Uh, at the end of every episode, we do our rapid fire quiz uh, where we'll ask our guests the same three questions and ask you if you can to answer in just a couple sentences or short words. So question number one, what is your number one tip for mastering the U.S. wine market? Partner you up with the distributor. They know the market better than we do sometimes, most of the time. And so when you partner with the right distributor, most of the time you win. Okay, great advice. Number two, what is something you might have told your younger professional self about selling wine and working in the wine industry here in the U.S.? So start from the bottom. Because no, you don't have to stay at the bottom forever. But you have to, in order to learn, do as many as you can testing with the consumer. Every time you do a testing with a consumer, it's like a focus group for free. Yeah. And you get the real answer because focus groups, sometimes they don't give you the, the real answer, you know. But when you're tasting the wine, 
and they're telling you exactly how it is in front of you. So you can learn so much. I think it was one of the best things that I did when, when I started here. Very lucky. Yeah. Really great advice. Listen to the consumers, listen to the market. Absolutely. And finally, question number three, uh, we all travel a lot in this industry, and I'm sure you're back and forth between here in uh, Italy quite often. What's your favorite travel hack or tip for traveling for work? When I travel for work, always get the first fly out. So then there's no delays. <laughs> yes. I try to do the same yes. thing. Even if it's really early, it's worth it, yeah, right? Absolutely. Yes. <laughs> yes. You avoid a lot of headaches. Totally. Yeah. Well, Henry, thank you again so much for joining us today on Masterclass US Wine Market. How can our listeners connect with you or follow along with you? First of all, thank you, Juliana. It's a pleasure to be with you and, and, and share this, this good stuff. Email is the best thing or LinkedIn. You know, I'm on LinkedIn. They can search and they can go through LinkedIn very easily and they can ask any question there. If not, great, LinkedIn. Uh, via my email. Yeah. Okay, fantastic. All right. Thank you again, NRA. It was great to have you here today. Thank you, Juliana. Have a good day. Thank you for joining me today. Stay tuned each week for new episodes of Masterclass US Wine Market with me, Juliana Colangelo. And remember, if you enjoyed today's show, hit the like and follow buttons wherever you get your podcasts.